guys went from show to show. I mean, from Dexter's to Powerpuff Girls to Samurai Jack. I mean, you guys were going. Foster's came in right after that one. So, I mean, you guys were obviously had a proven track record. You guys worked phenomenally together, you know, yeah. so everybody was kind of meshing and you guys went from show to show to show. But would you have or echo that same sentiment? Like that was the greatest time as far as your career goes or? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, I could, I could pick I could pick through the, the whole gamut of, of, you know, good points, but we had such a freedom back mm. then. You know, the industry just wasn't what it was. There wasn't as, in, as much involvement as far as executives writing. I mean, Dexters, we just did outlines. We didn't have scripts yet. That's unheard of, right? And uh, so if you were storyboarding, you were writing it as you were boarding it. That just, that just doesn't happen anymore. Gandy was also allowing us, because I did a couple boards. I know I did a bunch of character designs and effects and props and all that stuff too, but I did about four or five storyboards for Dexters as well. Gandy was letting us voice direct. So like, whoever heard of that? I mean, he brought us into the recording studio and he allow us, allowed us to give direction, voice direction to the to the voice actors. So that was a real exciting and cool opportunity. So big, big ups to Gendy for doing that. And, um, and so that's just part of the freedom that I'm talking about. The executives in Cartoon Network were all in Atlanta. There was like one or two of them here in Hollywood at Hanna-Barbera. It wasn't until Powerpuff that they they really kind of dove in and they demanded, I believe, scripts and, and have much, much more uh, control and input. But from the early days of Dexter's, I mean, we were riding our bikes down the hallways. We were running around screaming. We were like staying until like midnight, like running around Hanna-Barbera, trying all the costumes like Fred Flintstone um, down in the basement, like listening to records. I mean, we were young. I was 22, I think, when I started. So, you know, it was this sort of like college extension Fun. I mean, it was our life. It was it was so exciting. Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week I sit down with character designer Andy Bjork. Andy's one of those guys that pops up in so many different parts of my life throughout animation. You know, from Dexter's Lab to Powerpuff Girls to Samurai Jack to Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends to projects like Megamind and The Book of Life in Madagascar. I had an absolute blast just sitting down and sitting back and just hearing all of these amazing stories that Andy has amassed over his tenure between Cartoon Network and DreamWorks and, you know, just the the list goes on and on and on. Um, There's a lot of great stories in here, a lot of great info. Uh, Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Andy, man, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, fantastic, man. I've really been looking forward to this one because when I posted a picture of you and I said, hey, I got Andy coming on, I was not ready for the level of fans questions that were coming in. It's one of my favorite parts about the show is getting to ask fans questions because they generally have a way better recollection of anything uh, when it comes to the stuff than I do. And they ask very good questions compared to what I'm going to ask. However, one of the people that wrote in, and I only do this when colleagues write in to start off with the fans question, uh, but a buddy of yours, old Chris Battle wrote in. Uh, you know, so whenever you guys come on, I said, Hey, you know, what should I ask him? And he said, ah, oh, man, that sounds like fun with, uh, Andy coming on. Uh, make sure you ask him, um, uh, make sure you ask him how a bunch of the cartoon network OGs would often go to the movie openings together and ask him to talk about what he wore to see the Phantom Menace and laser attack of the clones at the famous man's Chinese theater in Hollywood. Do you remember that day? I do. <laughs> Oh my God. Thanks, Chris. Really appreciate you putting me on the spot like that. Uh, yeah, so I dressed up as a biker scout, or is it a speeder scout? But I dressed up as a biker scout as though a like eight-year-old boy would dress as a biker scout. So I got the helmet. Uh, I forget the name of the company that I was making them at the time. So it was a legit helmet, uh, Don something. But I had Paul Rudish, of course, who was you know, directing, storyboard arting on a Powerpuff Girls at the time, he did a sketch of basically like a kid. And the kid was wearing like tube socks to his knees. He was wearing like a, a white tank top undershirt. And like, basically the, the main thing was he was wearing white underwear over <laughs> like uh, black thermal long johns and then the helmet. And I said, that is hilarious. I'm going to try to dress up just like that and wear that to the premiere. And sure enough, there's photos somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm basically wearing underwear out in public and a but in a speeder scout helmet and um yeah I guess everybody got a really big kick out of it especially Chris so it was oh, fun man. I'm hoping one of the fans might send that photo in there I'm pretty sure we can hit the old <laughs> and figure, figure it out man uh one thing I absolutely love uh, doing this podcast I get to 
you know, it, I get to get back into the metaphorical DeLorean. I get to go back and, and experience, you know, what I grew up loving, what I still love watching. And it's these cartoons that you worked on and, and a couple in particular. I mean, you guys came in uh, with that renaissance for Cartoon Network. I mean, it was Craig, it was Gendy, it was Rob, you know, Van, um, you know, Danny Antonucci, you had Maxwell Adams. You had a murderous row of just killers when it came to creators to storyboard artists i mean you guys really pushed the envelope and made cartoon network what it is um you know this is almost 30 years removed from from that initial push from the what a cartoon the cartoon cartoon days uh when you sit back and you think about it now obviously going through that might be a little bit hard to appreciate the the journey you guys had because it was just go 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 from you guys from what i've heard from so many people uh, but when you sit back and you think about it almost 30 years ago man you guys changed cartoons and you created a network called cartoon network you changed the game forever what are some of the thoughts that go through your mind when you think about that um i don't know i guess i'm i'm, I'm very fortunate to have been in the right place at the right time and um you know, I was inspired and motivated by everybody around me and what everybody was doing. I knew who they were before I even started Hanna-Barbera because I was going to the film festivals. There was the Sick and Twisted and then there was the Animation Tourney Festival. So while I was at Loyola with Van Partible, we would shoot down to Santa Monica 3rd Street and we would watch all the films. Well, guess what films were, were running from Sick and Twisted? Spike and Mike's, it was all the CalArts guys. So I got to see Craig's Whoop-Ass Stew. I got to see Miles Thompson's Dogpile. I got to see Craig uh, Kelman's Bulimiator, all of them. And what were they drawing like? Right here behind me. They were drawing this graphic 50s style that I was in love with. And that was so inspiring. So when Van called me up to help him with Johnny Bravo, I was like right in the middle of every single person who I saw film. And it was almost like these were my heroes. Yeah, Frank and Ollie and Chuck Jones and Chris Freeling, everybody, sure, sure. We all know who they were. But these guys were making a, they were, they were reviving and cool vintage 50s style, but they were making it fresh. And I was right in the middle of it. And I just, I was like so happy. And I, I look at that period as sort of like my postgraduate, right? So I did four years at Loyola Marymount. And as soon as I got to Hanna-Barbera, I quickly adopted this KelArts Cartoon Network style. And, uh, and I learned so much from, from Craig McCracken, from Paul Rudish, Mike Moon, Miles Thompson, Todd Fredrickson, Gandhi, of course, everybody, Don Shank, Charlie Bean, Chris Battle. And we all just fed off each other. Uh, some of those guys came over from Ren, Ren Stimpy, so they brought that sensibility from John Kay and that that very Bob Clampett Warner Brothers style. And then you had your Cal Arts guys who had way more of that Mary Blair 1950s Tom Orb style, which which is which is the two whistle styles kind of what I see. So yeah, man, it was I was in heaven. <laughs> now, when I do these when I do these shows, one thing that generally gets brought brought up on a consistent basis is I haven't had it as good as it was back then now i don't know if it's just one of those grass is always greener on the or grass is always greener or if it was like you guys were a perfect match because so many of you guys went from show to show i mean from dexter's to powerpuff girls to samurai jack i mean you guys were going fosters came in right after that one so i mean you guys were obviously had a proven track record you guys worked phenomenally together you know yeah. so everybody was kind of meshing and you guys went from show to show to show but would you have or echo that same sentiment like that was the greatest time as far as your career goes or oh yeah i mean you know i could i could pick i could pick through the, the whole gamut of of you know good points but we had such a freedom back mm -hmm. then you know the industry just wasn't what it was there wasn't as in, much involvement as far as executives writing i mean dexters we just did outlines we didn't have scripts yet that's unheard of right and uh, so if you were storyboarding, you were writing it as you were boarding it. That just, that just doesn't happen anymore. Gandhi was also allowing us, because I did a couple boards. I know I did a bunch of character designs and effects and props and all that stuff too. But I did about four or five storyboards for Dexter's as well. Gandhi was letting us voice direct. So like, whoever heard of that? I mean, he brought us into the recording studio and he allow, allowed us to give direction, voice direction to the, to the voice actors. So that was a real exciting and cool opportunity. So big, big ups to Gandhi for doing that. And, um, and so that's just part of the freedom that I'm talking about. The executives in Cartoon Network were all in Atlanta. There was like one or two of them here in Hollywood at Hanna-Barbera. It wasn't until Powerpuff that they, they really kind of dove in and they demanded, I believe, scripts and, and had much, much more uh, control and input. But from the early days of Dexter's, I mean, we were riding our bikes down the hallways. We were running around screaming. We were like staying until like midnight, like running around Hanna-Barbera, trying all the costumes like Fred Flintstone. 
um, down in the basement, like listening to records. I mean, we were young. I was 22, I think, when I started. So, you know, it was this sort of like college extension fun. I mean, it was our life. It was it was so exciting. What was your favorite costume to wear? This is turning into <laughs> the costume podcast, Andy. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, when I say wear, like, you know, the so the costumes that were in the basement were specifically meant for uh, people to wear to go to hospitals to visit like basically kids with cancer. So these weren't like the original vintage ones, like on the banana splits from the 60s. These were like kind of refabbed, but they kept them all down in the basement. But, you know, we would just cruise down there, put on a Fred Flintstone hat, Barney hat, just goof around, run around, put it back. And, you know, we were very respectful. But um, yeah, man, it was it was fine. It was a good time. That's still pretty dope, man. I'm so glad you bring up Gendy because spoiler alert, the, the listeners know, the watchers of the show know, Gendy is for sure my Mount Rushmore. There doesn't get better than him for me. I mean, that's my guy. That <laughs> I remember seeing Dexter's Lab at a little kid, seven, eight, somewhere around there, you know, when, when Dexter launches. I remember sitting in front of that TV and thinking, holy shit, this is different. Now, being a redheaded dude, I, I, I want to say it's because I saw like myself in this character, even though nowhere near so i'm more of a dd than i am a fucking uh, a dexter but it was characters that had red hair and it just goes to show you something about representation i mean you see yourself in that character it was the same thing when i was younger apparently i would lose my shit as a toddler like one year old like most toddlers do um and then they would put on the little mermaid vhs and i would see ariel and i'd be like oh shit this is this is different i'd see that little red you know red crab sebastian you know but s- sitting there in front of this tv watching Dexter roll out, watching Powerpuff Girls roll out, watching Cow and Chicken, all of these shows. I mean, you guys gave me something to talk about with my friends. You guys gave me friends, really, because everybody connected over these shows. Oh, did you see what happened on Dexter? Yeah, yeah. I had to talk so many dudes into watching Powerpuff Girls, sadly, because they just saw it before they watched the show. They saw it they're like, oh, girl show. I don't want to watch girl show. You're, you know, you're nine, 10 years old, right? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You, you got to watch this. Watch Mojo Jojo, uh, Fuzzy Lumpkins. It, it sounded like one of my family members because I'm from the South. So I, I had a connection with him, you know. So these shows we would just connect over and we would talk about, we would converse at lunch and we would say, oh, where is it going to go from here, man? Um, when you guys are working, not you guys, because I don't want you to have to speak for everybody because you can't, but for you specifically, when you're working on this show, let's just talk Dexter for just a little bit. When you're working on a show like Dexter, do you know? what you guys have in your hands at this point? Or are you guys just trying to put out a good cartoon? I got to imagine, you know. Yeah, I mean, like what was great about Gandhi. So again, hats off is like after there was a pitch, you know, he would invite everybody on the crew for the pitch. And then he would like close the door and go, all right, jokes, let's make it funny. <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, if even if you had a dumb joke, we would just kind of like walk up, do a little funny drawing, put a post-it up on the, on the wall and say, what if, we, what if you did this? Or what if you did this? And he was super receptive to just punching it up so as opposed to like all right artists out let's get the writers in and let's you know like it was a very group communal effort uh, not for all of them not for every season but uh, i remember a handful of them where, where we did that and it was great it also made you feel like you were part of it so it gave you ownership which yeah. is just which was, which was awesome so you know uh, i i didn't look i don't look at things in a historical contest you know in the present i just look at like you give it your all you know you're having fun you do the best that you can and when you see everybody else is really punching it right like you're standing there and paul rudish you see just start sketching up like post it after post it and he goes up and he puts it up on the wall and you see what he just drew you're like yeah that's hilarious and then that really yeah it gets the laugh right but it also inspires you to go man he's gonna do that and then so it just i think that by default we kept pushing each other right and of course you know those guys were at the top i would say and they just they drove the creativity, McCracken, amazing, um, all of them. And so, I don't know, I think it just helped push us and, put, and, and just keep going. It also kept us kind of cohesive and connected. Um, and I think that's sort of that bond that you're talking about with our crew. And, and we were able to, I think, just work together as a unit um, and just create something really, really great. Do you like Nickelodeon? Do you like whiskey or whiskey cocktails? Then you should hang out with us. I'm Ty. I'm Sean. And we run Whiskey Lodeon the podcast. Ty, what is this podcast about? It's where we drink whiskey or whiskey cocktails while rewatching the old school Nickelodeon shows we loved growing up. And let's be honest, we go on a lot of tangents. So many tangents. Are we on a tangent right now? Yeah, I think so. Oh my gosh, well we gotta get back. We are covering Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Are You Afraid of the Dark, all the golden greats of Nickelodeon. And these shows give us so much joy. And we want to bring you that same joy 
enjoy. So find us wherever you get your podcasts at Whiskey Lodi. And I got to cut you off right now because we honestly cannot afford any more ad space and it really just kind of has to end right. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it any better. I mean, I, I really appreciate that. Um, with with Dexter, uh, you said you had storyboarded some some episodes, right? Do you remember yeah. your first storyboard pitch? I always enjoy storyboard pitch stories, but do you, do you have one that sticks out? Maybe not just Dexter, but, you know, if you got one that sticks out. I think it was that crazy robot was my first one. And um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was fun. I mean, I wasn't really that nervous just because we were watching so many other pitches and yeah. you, know, you kind of knew what to do or what to expect. And, um, you know, uh, and so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just went up there and just delivered and gave it my, my all. I mean, some, some board artists can pitch and, and create a, a, a great presentation and performance some board artists just are great at drawing and they don't do the performance as well. Gandhi really relished, I think, to have all in one. Like he wanted you to put on put on the show and, and just make it feel good and exciting to 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 be part of this story, no matter if the story was like a stronger one or not as not as strong. Um, so, yeah, I don't really know. I can't remember the specifics other than just, you know, I gave it my all and and then we waited and then, you know, it was punch up time and. Um, sounds, like sounds like you crushed it is what, what we really get a really humble <laughs> way of saying it absolutely crushed it Julian. i like that i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> it's not like i'm still storyboarding today i mean i can but um you know but he was sweet to, to give me a handful so it was nice so i'm glad you brought that up because it's something that i didn't realize so like i'm, I'm about in year two of doing this podcast right so uh technical terms i'm still learning uh whenever i have a question i love reaching out like randy myers is a phenomenal person to talk to uh obviously i mean you you know him you fucking know him you know he's a great guy robert alvarez yeah. is one of my favorite people he's i'd always tell everybody he's a national treasure um yeah. You know, so whenever I have a, a question, those are generally the first two guys because I can under I, I'm going to get a straight answer. I'm not going to get any bullshit and they're going to point me in the direction that I need to go. Um, but uh, it wasn't until I had Chris Battle on here because I assumed before doing this, like if you're if you're working on Dexter, I assume that you're doing the backgrounds, you're doing the character design, you're doing the storyboards. It's like the same person does everything. It's just like divided up. I didn't realize there was a person for layout. There was a person for this. It was a person for that. And when Chris broke it down, I had asked him the question I'm about to ask you, like what about character design spoke to you? Because he had said he tried everything. He would jump show to show. He tried background. He tried painting. You know, he tried this. He tried that. What was it about character design that spoke to you specifically? um yeah i don't know i mean remember back then we weren't called character designers we were called model designers so if you look in the credit it will say model designs by so that was more of the umbrella term so the main characters were designed pretty much by gandy and craig mccracken paul rudish and then we they'd hand me uh crowds incidentals chris um and then we'd also did props like dexter's robots we did special effects like explosions missiles all that stuff chris knocked it out of the park with those and um, so again, the the term like character designer that that was so new to me. Uh, really, I mean, almost ten years in, you know, by the time I went to DreamWorks, I was like, oh, cool, we get we get credit for actually drawing the characters. That's neat. So I never even focused specifically on character. Um, although on what a cartoon shorts, I was a character layout artist. Me and Miles, and we hopped around from Pat Ventura's to Robert Alvarez's um, to Gendy's and Craig's and um, everybody's. And uh, so we specifically handled character layout. Um, but you don't usually, you don't get character layout in TV anymore. So, um, but yeah, like, I guess what spoke to me is I, I would, I would give the character layout phase of what a cartoon, uh, shorts, my sort of precursor to sort of excite me about what it was to draw characters. You get to pose them and, you know, you make, you get strong acting, um, you know, you're drawing key frames and key poses, uh, you know, for the animators overseas. It's just one step, um, further than just doing the design you're actually you're doing the actual layout um that you're going to be handing off to the animator so it just uh i think after making a, you know films in college um and, and animating it just felt natural to do that um and then so by the time dexter's rolled around it was you know we handled all of it gandy also liked a and b poses so you know if there was a crowd that was just sitting here and then all of a sudden dexter lands in the foreground we have to draw them with their mouths open and the arms up so we have those AB poses just just so we have the design right, you know, because we we wanted creative control and didn't want the overseas studio to take too much liberty. Um, and uh, again, you just wanted to see everything. Same with Craig, Craig McCracken, same thing on Powerpuff. It was the kind of the standard uh, designing characters. But yeah, I don't know. I just um, I did background layout. I did storyboards. Um, 
props and effects. Um, and so I don't know. I, part of it feels like I just fell into it, but part of it just feels feels like that was that was really where I could hyper focus and just really get into the actual acting of, and design of the characters. So now, hypothetically, if you could go back in time thirty two plus years ago, right, and you could choose again, would you, knowing what you know now, would you go down the same path, do what you do now, or would you want to try something different? Uh, yeah, no, no, I think so. I mean, um, you know. Again, back then it was sort of, uh, they didn't just, I wasn't just relegated to just characters. You know, we, again, we, we drew the props and the effects and all that stuff, but I had opportunities. I did, I did do storyboarding. I did do background layout for another show um, and uh, over at Disney. And so I definitely put my feelers out. I saw the painters um, because we were all doing traditional paint at that time and everyone was painting with gauche. Um, I was like, that looks a little too uh, sophisticated. It's cool and I love watching them do it, but I was like, what happens if you make a mistake? I mean, we were drawing by pencil on paper, so I guess there's not much difference, but uh, we could erase. So um, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, I think I chose the path and ended up where I was supposed to be. So yeah, I think the answer to your question is yeah, same. It, it's always it's always interesting to see what what people pick. And when I talked to Craig not too long ago, I had, I had felt bad because I felt like when I, when I told him this, I felt like I was, it was like a dig or, or whatever, but I was like, I was like, I'm watching kid cosmic and I absolutely love the backgrounds. I was like, I would, I would be pulled out of the story. And he was like, well, that's good, but it's not good. He's like, you don't ever want He's like, everything wants to be in unison. You don't ever want to be hyper-focused on one thing. I was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But I was like, I've got this brain where I can look at something and I see something. I know everything that's going on, but it's just the backgrounds were so beautiful in that show. <laughs> and then talking to Chris, it was, he, he said pretty much the same thing you said. He was like, you know, when you're growing up and you're going to high school and you're the artist in the school, everybody comes to you to draw them something. They're asking you to draw a couple of things. Let's draw Batman. Who doesn't want to draw Batman? So he's like, that's why I went down that road. So I always like seeing why you guys pick or if it's, you know, outside circumstances, it kind of pushes you towards what you guys do for a living and how you guys pretty much grow and attempt to master the craft. Yeah, a little um, bit of both probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with, uh, with Dexter, man, when you hear that name Dexter's Laboratory, what are some of the first thoughts that come to your mind? I think about... Um... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I kind of already hit on it is the uh, the um, camaderie. Yeah, the camaraderie, the, the, the storyboard pitches, the openness, the freedom. The freedom. Um, it just felt very like it didn't it just didn't feel like there was executives like watching over us the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, it just felt like um, we just yeah, we just had a lot of a lot of freedom and um, and we were learning and it felt like um, Gendy was super receptive to all that. Um, I also think about the voice actor, uh, Christine Cavanaugh, yes. who was just so phenomenal. I mean, you know, that was like one of the, the first like up close voice actors that I got to see work and perform. And she was just, she was so good. And, um, and that really brought the, the character to life in a big way. Yes, the stories, the design, the writing, um, but but she she was that extra final yes. nugget just to take it over the finish line and just and it just helped him really become his own you know character a lot more so than Dee Dee uh, mm -hmm. and nothing on no, nothing on um, uh, the the um, Allison Moore or um, Kat Cressida uh, but Cressida but like just like yeah I I just think Christine was just amazing so. Absolutely. And in most people's cases. So I've had, I've had this happen a few times. She's come up quite a few times, you know, with Paul Germain, the co-creator of Rugrats, obviously she's voicing Chucky, um, mm -hmm. you know, Dexter's lab, she came up and then she was Oblina and all real monsters. So Chris told us a story. Um, so whenever somebody that's no longer here, uh, you know, we, we've heard some Tuck Tucker stories, um, uh, you know, when, when he, his name has come up, but have, did you get to have any kind of interactions with Christine or do you have a story about her that we could probably tell the fans? No, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I mean, um, probably more so with Candy Milo because she kind of came in later and she was great too, by the way. Um, but yeah, just other than just kind of the impact and the, the power of the performance uh, and just, just, um, you know, when you hear a character, it's, it's sort of like, like Rand Stempy, like when you, when, when a character owns, you know, when the voice actor owns those character, I mean, Mel Blanc is a great example. I mean, Bugs Bunny, any of the Warner Brother characters, you just, you feel those characters, they, they, they give them their voice. And so that just sort of, that was a, that was a nice, a, that was just a nice part. 
that we didn't really get to see so much because we're, we're on the ground floor making the, making the cartoon, but she was there in the recording studio. Of course, Dandy worked with her a lot and Craig and, um, but yeah. Yeah, gone way too soon for sure. Um, yeah, very sad. So before we start to rotate to the fans' questions here, uh, mm -hmm. I'd be remiss not to ask you because uh, I've heard some really, really good ones. I heard Randy is the he's the cartoon matchmaker, so he, he introduced Gendy and Craig to their 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 wives. Um, so I got to imagine you've got a pretty cool Gendy story. So before we get to the fans' questions, what's your favorite Gendy story? Or whenever you hear the name Gendy, do you have one that comes to mind? um or gosh. what's the biggest thing you've learned from gendy gosh there's so many i mean we we gendy and i formed a really tight bond uh over golf so <laughs> mike yeah so mike lazo who was the the executive that came over from cartoon network was a golfer uh, gendy was a golfer and he, he found out that i was an old golfer and and so we used to play um we used to go to courses all over palm springs all over la and so we not only bonded, you know, in animation on Dexter's and all that, uh, but, you know, I got to know a whole other side to him. Uh, he really, the golf part of it really made him feel more like a brother as opposed yeah. to a colleague. Um, I have older brothers, we all golf. So I just, it just felt, it just felt good and felt right. Uh, I mean, I think, I think Gendy really tried to push everybody. Um, Craig did too, so did Paul. And I think he really wanted all of his artists to just, just take it as far as they could. He was also just very flexible and very open. He wasn't like tight rules. And, you know, if someone had an idea, he, he was always very open to it. Um, I mean, the idea that he handed me storyboards and let me voice direct, I mean, that was very cool of me to not have to do that. And so I just felt, I feel like he was, he was very open. He was very flexible. Um, uh, he was very focused and dis disciplined and talented, of course, but, um, um, you know, working with the artists, I think, he had a great attitude and it was, uh, it was very inspiring. So that's really cool. And the last one, before we get to the fans questions, uh, all three of you guys are on the green. Who's the better of the shit talker and who's winning the game. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, remember this is going to be out there. So they're going to see this and they're going to come and knock on your door. Hey Andy. Uh, go play I golf. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, we all should talk pretty good. I might be, I might be the, the winner of that one though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so before we get to the fans question we got a couple uh, questions uh, that i've let you know about before uh so your mount rushmore you got four plus one who's on your mount rushmore of animators or influencers throughout your career uh i mean before i knew who who tom orb was mm -hmm. i loved tom orb you know when i saw toot whistle which is what i have behind me i was like who what you know who's drawing what what is that uh, and then I found out he worked on, you know, he did the designs for Sleeping Beauty and so on and so on. And I, I, I really feel like as a designer, Tom Oreb just like definitively took what would consider to be a, a very graphic, flat TV style is what it used to be called back in the day, um, in which Ed Benedict would be the hero in television and, and used it, uh, was able to like basically use it in, on a feature length level to where Disney was like open to it. And I seeing that level of animation on that level of design was something that just, it just knocked my socks off. I mean, War Kimball would be up there too, uh, but then you've got Ed Benedict over on the TV side. Um, you've got, um, you know, Mel Crawford, who's kicking ass on the children's book illustration side. Um, and then, uh, so those kind of like, those are the big designers in animation for me that were just really inspiring. Cool. Again, I didn't know who they were, <clears throat> but I knew their work and I was inspired by it. Beautiful. Um, the other two, and that again, that's Tom Orr, Mel Crawford, um, Alexander Gerard. So I, I actually learned, I was more trained in a graphic designer when I was studying at Loyola. I took mm -hmm. animation classes, but we didn't even have a major back then. And so my sense of design comes from more, almost a graphic design base. Uh, and Alexander Gerard is, is um, uh, known for his wooden doll sculptures that you can find at Design Within Reach. Um, you know, he's sort of synonymous with like 1960s, like Charles and Ray Eames era, uh, Herman Miller. Um, and so known for textiles, patterns, and graphics. Um, I would say on the animation side, Raleigh Crump, who worked at Imagineering would sort of be like the, the quintessential yeah. uh, applied to theme park design. Um, so that's still playful, very geometric shape, um, primary color language, um, super inspiring to me. And then, uh, uh, so yeah, we'll put 
Alexander Gerard and Rolly Crook. You can't give me four. And then the last one I have to contribute is to is to my skateboard um, pros because when I was 15 or 16, um, I was just looking for something else. And I discovered skateboarding, I discovered punk rock, and I just fell in love with the, the culture, the flyers, the t-shirts, the graphics, and the designs. And there's so many skateboards I'd love to attribute to, but I think one of the most impactful graphics um, was by a skateboarder named Neil Blender. His design was called the Coffee Break. And he basically was drawing Picasso without me even realizing who Picasso was, but put it in a, on a bottom of a skateboard and drew it in a way that was very graphic, it was very flat and it was just something I'd never seen before, especially on a skateboard. And um, that one blew me away. And so I've always just held a huge fascination and appreciation for Neil Blender. Other skateboarders would be Chris Miller, uh, Mark Gonzalez, of course. So <laughs> there's your Mount Rushmore. That's probably about eight, but- um, It's perfectly yeah. fine, man. You make your Mount Rushmore <laughs> as big as you want to make it, man. Uh, and, and it's funny, I like, I like what you said. I didn't know Picasso before I knew what he was doing over there on that skateboard, right? So when I had Linda Semensky on, we did a whole Powerpuff Girls episode a couple months back. And uh, UPA has been one of my favorite studios of all time. Um, and I didn't know about UPA until I, until I started watching Cartoon Network. I'm seeing Dexter, I'm seeing Powerpuff Girls. I'm seeing all of that influence from there. And then she's like, you know why, right? And I was like, I have no idea why. I've been trying to figure out for the last two years. Why, Linda? Tell me, please. And she was like, it's because all of those guys, Gandy, Craig, Rob, Van, all of them learned at CalArts from the UPA guys. Mm -hmm. So they fell in love with that style, just like you did. The color, the color palette alone. I, I, I talked about it with Robert and Zeddy. I was like, the color palette alone that UPA chose on so many of their cartoons second to none man i, I mean it, it's upa and then everybody else kind of falls down below them for me you know and it's been fun going back because anytime i have you guys on i've got my little notepad here i wrote down three names just off of you talking and i'm going to go research them as soon as i get done because i want to know more i want to know what andy knows you know i want to know all of this beautiful stuff i want to be inspired too you know so uh thank you for putting those names out there um yeah i'm going to add two more okay. he and faith and john hubley Speaking of UPA. You said Faith and John Hubley? Hubley, H-U-B-L-E-Y. And then the other guy's name is T. He, as in like you're laughing, like T. <laughs> Look at him. He's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's uh, anyways, he's like Ward Kimball style, but he was UPA, so. Thank you. My favorite of the nine old men has always been Mark Davis. Uh, I, I'm a real big fan. I mean, I've yeah. went through his book five or six times now. It's a beautiful book. Um, the one before we get to the book, this one's always my favorite because so many of you guys have led me to so many other guys and gals on here. Um, Robert Alvarez led to Randy Myers. Randy Myers led to Guillermo uh, and Jorge. Um, so this one's going to be interesting to see who you say. But uh, this is the animation recommendation of the week. This is where you get to say, hey, you guys should have such and such on. So who's somebody out there that you might have worked with that we should reach out to and try to get them on the show? Anybody that comes to mind? Yeah, you should hit up Miles Thompson. Oh, I've had Miles Thompson on. He was a oh, you have? Yes, he was a fantastic guest. Sadly, that episode, I might have him come back on uh, later this year when he's a little bit, when he's not as busy as he is now. Um, but during the file conversion process from this to Zoom, uh, we got hit with lightning out here. So it corrupted the entire, <laughs> I was so upset because oh, we, we spent two hours laughing and joking. He was telling me some of the, that man is so fucking intelligent. He, like some of the stories he was giving me, I was like, oh, fuck, dude, this is so cool. And he's a skateboarder. He's telling me, he was pulling down books and showing me all of this art. He's like, you got to look up this person. You got to get this person. He's like, all of this information is here for the taking. He was like, you just got to take it. And he was talking about surfboards and this and that. So yeah, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have him back on. Yeah, so, if you can get Paul Rudish on. Man, we'll try. Rudish. I'm going oh, yeah. to circle his name a few times. Maybe it'll <laughs> like, it, like those little uh, those little dolls that you make. Maybe we can make it happen. Um, yeah, but I mean, the, Gandhi, uh, Tartakovsky, Craig McCracken, and Paul Rudish. That was the trifecta. Those three, that was the powerhouse. I know Gandhi gets kind of most of the credit, but like it was, I would say those three guys in tandem together were the, the sheer force and power behind everything that you guys love. I mean, we all had a hand in from... Mike Moon, said Robin Zetti, Todd Fredrickson, Miles Thompson, Moochie, Carrie Yost, Don Shank, Charlie Bean, all these people. Like, but those three just, um, I don't know, they they really, really create, they push something and they 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 work great together. They shared offices. 
So yeah, those are my those are my 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 heroes. Yeah, well, that's good, man. I always like seeing who you guys look up to because it's it's a lot of the times it's the same people we look up to. We look up to all you guys, man. So thanks, oh, cool. for and thanks for doing what you guys do. Um, the yeah. last one before we get to the fans' questions, man. Two books that you could recommend that any fan of animation should have on their shelves. Oh, I mean, got to have "Hey Look" by Harvey Harvey Kurtzman, no question. Um, I mean. You can get Preston Blair's How to Animate. I mean, that's the book that I bought when I was in yeah. when I was in college. Uh, if you can get the original, because the he has the original designs. He had, uh-huh. <laughs> he had to edit it later because I don't think he had a um, he had copyrights from I think it was MGM. So yeah. you can see like Tom and Jerry are actually drawn in there. You can really? find it online. But man, that book is like I know everybody else had, you know, the illumination uh, illumination the illusion uh, of life. Sorry, the illusion <laughs> the illusion, yeah. illusion of life. Uh, it's been a while since I looked at that one clearly, and I know that that was the Bible, and that one is incredible, of course. But I really, really like Preston Blair's um, uh, book of animation. It's it just the drawings just were so fun and playful, and it's so simple and super thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say those those two for sure. Beautiful, ladies and gentlemen, pick them up. Um, and so we got the fans' questions here. So Chris had the first one, and like I said, I'm I'm hoping one of the fans. We've got some like sniper, there's eagle eye fans, if you will. Uh, that go out there and find some really cool stuff. Um, Silly Little Prankster wants to know, what makes a great character design? uh, Yeah, what makes a great character design? Maybe ask him what he does when he's coming up with characters. So what makes a great character design, Andy? Yeah, that's, uh, um, you know, it helps to have a little context, like if you're working on a show or if you're just kind of just drawing for fun, right? Because to me- Let's go with show. Let's go with show. Yeah, I mean, design is, design is about parameters, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm working in Dexter's, what are the design parameters? Uh, and if you're creating the look of the show and it's the first season, you're working very close in tandem with your art director. And you're you're basically, you're, you're, you're rolling the dice. Like, are we going this far with shapes? Are we going this far? Um, is this far enough? Do we need to push it? So uh, a great example is when I was on Powerpuff Girls, uh, my art director at first was Don Shank, and then it was Craig Kelman. When Craig Kelman came on, I mean, he he really pushed hard. He was like, you got to take that further. You got to take that further. I don't know. I don't care how good you are, how good how anybody is. You can always push a drawing. And that's something that I've always remembered since back in the day is like, it's true. You can you should always be able to look at a drawing. I don't care who did it, if it's Carter Goodrich or Nico Marley or Shun. Like you can take those drawings. You should be able to push those drawings further. Um, and that's just something I, I keep really close. So. As far as creating the design and the look, um, you know, it's uh, it's learning, it's watching what some of the other uh, designers are doing. You know, Craig McCracken is an exceptional designer, a huge influence on me. So I studied his drawings very closely. Uh, same with Paul Rudish. Paul taught me how to draw cute. Craig taught me how to draw cra- graphic, whether they knew it or not. Now they do. And, uh, and so I would watch and I would learn and I would sketch and I would try to basically fill my design vocabulary with some of their shapes and and tips what they were doing. So, um, so it's, it's learning, it's playing, uh, it's, it's trying things out and uh, basically having a conversation with yourself and also, of course, having a conversation with your art director uh, and, and working as a collaboration and a team to find the, the, the style that best suits the show that you're working on. Beautiful. Um, EM on the moon wants to know, uh, what role does knowing the voice actor play in developing a character in terms of timeline? Do you often or rarely know who is voicing a character you were creating? Uh, yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes you don't. Um, when I was on Madagascar, they specifically told me this is Makunga. It's going to be voiced by Alec Baldwin. And I was like, okay, cool. Do you want an Alec Baldwin looking lion? And they were like, eh, maybe. I mean, he's got nice hair. Do you want to give him like a crazy mane? So I took a couple passes. They weren't, you know, it was okay. I think they were just looking for something a little more push. Craig Kelman was available at the time. Of course, he designed the, all the original characters on Madagascar for Madagascar 1. This was Madagascar 2. Uh, and then he came in and he, he did his pass and it was like, that's it. And so if you look at some of his original designs of Mukunga, it'll sort of help answer your question because you'll see Alec, Bald, uh, Alec Baldwin in that those designs. You'll see the squint, you'll see the little smiling grin, and you'll see the big main hair. So 
you know, sometimes we can do that. Sometimes it's hard. Um, I know when he was designing, um, you know, Melman and Marty, uh, Zebra, and, you know, he, I, I don't know if he knew Chris Rock was going to do the voice, but you can feel there's some goofy, yes. you know, mouth shapes going on in there. And you're like, oh, okay, that, I wonder if they knew. Um, uh, but you don't always know who the voice actor is. Um, so when I was designing Alex's dad, um, who was, wait, what's, what was the dad's name? Zuba. Um, we didn't know who the voice actor was. They, they just said he's going to be stoic. He's going to be fatherly. Think John Voight. We don't even have a description or a script yet. We're looking for you to inspire us uh, as we write this character for the story. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did a bunch of designs for that, not knowing who the voice actor was, would be. And last example is, um, 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 oh my God, I forgot his name. He's the one who was voiced by Will I Am. Uh, he sings a song, I like him big and chunky. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm no help on this. <laughs> no worries, I just blanked. Um, so when I designed that character, I also didn't know that Will I Am was going to do the voice. So I, I was I was specifically going by the um, uh, by the description of the director. And um, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now because oh, no I can't believe I can't remember this. <laughs> oh, it's uh, Motomoto. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I should have known that. So, yeah, when I designed Motomoto, I didn't know Will I Am was going to be the voice. I just, but we had the character down, like, and I only had a couple passes. And they were like, that's it. So sometimes it works out perfect and they know and you know and everything aligns. And other times like, well, they, they just don't know yet. They're not, they're just not feeling it. So it's really kind of a crapshoot, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, should I just close it? Sorry. Uh, brief outcome wants to know, how would someone with amateur drawing skills learn to draw like you? Any tips? Hopefully he has some step-by-step -step tutorials on how to refine line art and how to draw hands and feet properly. Uh, yeah. So any, any tips or tricks out there for somebody that's trying to up their game? Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't, I don't have a step-by-step -step for you. My apologies, but um, man, there's so much out there. I mean, again, you know, back to the illusion of life, like there's a whole section on hands. There's a whole section on eyes. You know, there's a whole section on on acting. It's like, you know, I, the thing that I just want to warn people who are interested in design today is like, is it an illustration or does, is it a design? What's the difference? Well, an illustration doesn't have to act or move or emote. It just it looks pretty in a book, right? That's that's what that's why it's called children's illustrations. Character design is specific for animation. So here's your pretty uh, Zuba drawing. Here's your pretty Moto Moto. But now you've got to you've got to make that character act. You've got to understand acting. You've got to understand animation. You've got to understand expressions, posing, all of that stuff. And that's what that's what to me character design is. And so I think most people fall in love with the viz dev side of character design, which is the conceptual side, which is basically what you're looking at behind me. But you have to have an understanding of who the character is, what their story is, how they're going to move, how they stand, how they sit. We all move differently. Right. Uh, I'm not going to be able to voice act these characters, but I can show you how I want them to stand, how I want them to look, you know, so everything should be specific to that character and you should understand and know all of that. Give me a pretty picture, post on Instagram. Great. But as a designer, kind of have to be an animator and a storyteller as well. And you've got to encompass all of that information into your design. Beautiful. That was some that was some knowledge right there. So uh right contract 816 wants to know how do you design characters with different art styles i find this quite difficult to do it's hard uh <laughs> i'm one of the few artists that's sort of like known in the industry for being a chameleon right because i'm i can draw the powerpuff girls right on one yeah. hand super cute and then i'm working on like megamind on another hand and then i'm working on how to train your dragons and uh honestly like as artists we sort of learn as we go you know i had never drawn uh, dragons in the style of Nico until I worked on Riders of Burke, the TV first season of the TV series. So I had to study, man. I had to learn. I had to look at his shapes and I'm like, okay, those look kind of like Muppets. He's got the big round, you know, googly eyes and he's there. I see the themes and, you know, if you can get over all of his scales and detail and all the line work and the shading and you just break down his basic shapes, you're like, okay, I can do that. Right. And so that's what I try to do. I try to unravel the designs and just look at the basic shapes 
and, uh, and, and, and study and, and put those together in a way that's appealing and then put on all the beautiful texturing and surfacing and, and, and the color and all that stuff. So um, it's really like, it's just like studying and learning and making mistakes. If you're only drawing like Mary Blair, great, wonderful. But you're not learning anything. You got to go outside of your comfort zone. You got to be able to make mistakes. You got to be able to do, do ugly drawings. I think in today's Instagram culture, everyone's posting these beautiful color illustrations and it's like, bravo, you did it. Wow, look at you. You should have drawn probably 20 drawings before you posted that drawing that were bad and that you had to throw away. That to me is real work. That is the, 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 the grit and the sweat that you should be putting into it. If you're just knocking out pretty drawings, it's like, okay, great. But you're not really learning or growing as an artist. I think I think it's imperative that 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 designers and, and character designers today are going through the motions of drawing and working and working. Quick story: when I was at DreamWorks, we character designers were teaching a character design class to the animators and storyboard artists because they wanted to know how to design. So it was me, Tony Ceruno, Shannon Tindall, Shane Prigmore, Devin Crane. I'm leaving people out. And uh, we, we taught a class and we had Ben Ballesteri come in. And it was so cool to watch his process because he did, I think I counted six or seven roughs and each one got tighter and tighter. I've watched Joe Mosher do the same thing. Rough it out, put a paper over it. Work with the nose, put a paper over it. Do the mouth, put a paper over it. You have to work and build on your drawings that way. Craig Kelman, same thing. I watched him knock out 20 drawings on yellow post-its. Boom, 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 using them as flips just going through it and you're pushing your shapes. You're expanding your brain. Are you worried about Instagram? No. Are you worried about your portfolios? No, it's you and, and yourself having a conversation with yourselves, trying to find the, the best solution and making all the, you have to make the mistakes. You yes. got to be able to go. These are going in the trash <laughs> until you get to your Mary Blair drawing. So just a little word of advice for everybody, please like do the work, man. So I was hoping you were going to bring up dragons. What's your favorite Chris Sanders story? Chris Fan Sanders on his first day walked into my office uh, and I was sharing an office with Marcos M M Mostra Mateo, insane artist from Spain. He, uh, I think he's art directing with Shannon Tindall. And uh, was I sharing with him? Yes. Okay. Because I shared with Tony as well. Tony Ceruno, also amazing character designer. Um, and uh, Sanders' first day walked down the Viz Dev wing. He was just going in everybody's offices. And he literally was like a boy in a candy shop. He was just looking at all the artwork on the walls. And he was like, where, how, how come nobody in the rest of the industry knows about the artwork? Because DreamWorks was great about putting your artwork on the wall. I mean, Nico mm -hmm. had all his dragons all over the place. I had my artwork. Tony had his. Devin Crane had all his. Carlos Grangel, amazing. And so DreamWorks was great at showcasing their artist's work, but there was no, there was no internet. I mean, back then there was, there was no place, there was no art of books even. And so to go into DreamWorks and walk down the Viz Dev Wing and you had to sign a release form because they wouldn't let you just go in there. It was sort of like, you know, confidential to see any of the artwork. And he was blown away at all the artwork that he'd never seen. Cause at Disney, you know, that he couldn't see any of that stuff. Cause he had just come from Lilo and Stitch, of course. And, uh, and he was like, he just stood in my office with his mouth open, just staring at all of the artwork. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, how's it going? And he's like, man. And he, it was like, it was a conversation, but we weren't really talking. And he was just in awe. And he was like, I was like, how's it going? Chris Sanders. And he was like, hey, big fan. He was like, man, I just, I can't believe that there's so much gold and treasure here at Dreamers and nobody knows about it, man. And he was just so pumped and so excited. It was really good to uh, to have him at DreamWorks and just have him walk through the the whole win. He was he was psyched. So we were too, of course. That, that's really cool, man. He was uh, he was on here a couple of weeks ago, and I've I've never met somebody that has no. That's not true. I've met a few people on this podcast um, that have such an infectious joy of what they do. And it didn't matter. Like I had a shitty day before talking to Chris and I was trying to psych myself up so I could just get out of that mental bullshit that I, that I had bringing. And uh, like within 30 seconds, man, I'm smiling from ear to ear because he created one of my favorite cartoon or my favorite movies of all time, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. And then just his infectious joy. Sandro Cluza was another guy that just brought that right out of me. And I'm so glad you brought up Joe Mosier because Joe Mosier is coming on here in a few weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped for that one. Emperor's You're going to love movie. him. 
yeah. Emperor's New Groove is such an underrated movie, man. Not yeah. enough people talk about that movie. Yeah, he's the modern day Milk Call, that one. He's amazing. Oh, man, I yeah. can't wait. And great, Joe's a great communicator and a great teacher, too. Everybody who's worked with him, they're like, I learned so much from Joe. So, yeah, he's great. That's the first thing Sandra said, because he would take he would take his drawings when they were doing Emperor's New Groove. And he was like, please draw over it. And Joe, he's like, Joey, he said, Joey, look at it. And he's like, no, it's good. He's like, no, no, I need you to draw over it because I'm, I need to get better. I need to push is what you were saying earlier. I need to push this drawing. I need to push this. So he would have him draw over all of his drawings. So I just oh, thought that was a really cool story. He was drawing like milk call in, in college from, from what I heard from, from, yeah. from our buddies. He was like, you know, it was like perfect, like perfect milk call hands, everything. The guy is like incredible. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I'm really looking super nice too. So nice. Um, crazy about SpongeBob wants to know what designs were too hard to animate, so you had to redo them. Does any of them stick out? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, you know, all the animation on Dicers and Powerpuff that was done overseas in Korea at a studio called Rough Draft. And then by the time I, you know, I got into DreamWorks, that was all computer. That was all CG computer animation. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, you know, I don't even know if that's part of the process. I don't know if animators would ever like push something back and say, this has to be redesigned because it's, it's too difficult to animate. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think I'm, if I understand the, the, the question correctly, um, um, you know, by the time it gets to animation, it's sort of like, you guys, sorry, you guys are shit out of luck. You got You got to make it work. You got to animate. <laughs> it, you know? So you, you, you don't have the right or the power to like say, Hey, can you redesign this? We're having a hard time animating. You got to make it work beautiful um yeah. this this one wasn't a uh wasn't a question it was just a statement carlito 25 wanted uh, uh told me he said uh, no questions only compliments so he really liked your work awesome. um, sure persimmon 9302 wants to know uh what was and this has come up a few times with a couple other people so um what inspired uh him to create samurai jack's design uh you know we know gendy came up with a design for samurai jack but you guys do have another pass at it where you smooth out any edges or you guys really refine that um but was there anything that stuck out to you i guess we'll go that route was there anything that stuck out to you about samurai jack as far as the design character goes for jack i mean i i think all credit should go to craig kalman personally uh gendy did do the initial designs but craig really brought it home yeah. Um, and he also, Craig just created the world. You know, uh, I was only on, uh, I think the first three episodes um, and we were still trying to find the look specifically of the aliens. Um, we, we just didn't know what, what direction to go. And um, I think by the time Craig, you know, Kalman came on and he was just, you know, just, he was just knocking out drawings. It was just sort of like, okay, that's it. You know, this is, this is perfect. And um and then you've got Dan Crawl on background layouts and you've got Scott Wills, you know, insane color. And you've got Gandhi's, you know, animation chops and then all the storyboard artists from Andy Suriano to Chris Mitchell. It's a, uh, I mean, it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a beautiful, um, you know, uh, collaboration of, of artists just to make something so, so great. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think, again, I think design is evolution. I mean, great example is look at Bart Simpson's from, you know, yes. the first the first original uh, Tracy Ullman show. I mean, not exactly what it looks like today. Look at some of the first Dexters. His head is much longer and narrower. And then Gendy went squ squatter and shorter and square, especially on Chicken Scratch. That's kind of the epitome, the epitome of where he took Dexters. So there's always going to be an evolution and growth to me, for me, with characters. And I think um, same with Jack. Um, you know, I think if you look at those early episodes and then look at the much later ones, they're, they're just taking them in different directions. Also trying to find the rules, you know, what to break, how far to take it. Um, and um, I think uh, a, a great example of that is the Mickey Mouse shorts cartoons with Paul Rudish. Uh, Rand Stimpy is a great example of that is I think the public and people expect the executives, their design that they get and that they, they approve. But then as you're in your uh, production, and you're acting and you're pushing expressions, you know, it's like, how far can we take this? And yes. I think John Kay was sort of a master, Bob Clampett, Tex Avery, as taking examples and pushing them so far outside the box. And, um, and I think with Jax, we, of course, we never went cartoony in that vein, but it's, I think it's a constant evolution of design and trying to find um, how far you can go with your designs. And um, again, all credit goes to Kalman and of course, Gandhi, you know, helming that, so. Absolutely, man. And uh, sorry, one more. And Stephen DeStefano, uh, De of course. Beautiful. He's another one you should have on. Yeah, let me write him. Oh up. yeah, his name has De come Stefano. up. A couple of times. Oh man, DeStefano, he's he's a, he's a master. He's amazing. 
I got him written down and I circled him once. Yeah, he, he's uh, great. Circle him twice. because <laughs> uh, I don't know with a lot of numbers after it. Uh, he wanted to know. Now, this one we can skip over if you don't want to do, because this one, it's not a bad question, but it, I definitely, we don't usually ask this type one. But uh, favorite character you've ever designed? If you couldn't pick one, is there just a couple? I don't ever like putting somebody like, oh, man, I really like doing La Muerta for, for Book of Life, and then you piss oh. off four other friends. You know, so it's, it's shit like that that I try to try to avoid. Some people get, you know, a little with it, so. But you oh, yeah, no worries. I mean, honestly, like, a lot of the work I did was incidentals, crowds, you know, props. It's stuff, like, nobody would know. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to give the public and the fans what they want, which is, I would say, Alex Cub which in Madagascar 2, we needed to see Alex as a little cute little cub. Um, and I did that design and they approved it and it was like smooth sailing, like that one That one worked out great. Uh, the other characters, Marty Melman and Gloria as kids were done by Craig Kalman. Um, uh, but but Alex Cub, I, I hold close. Uh, Moto Moto is another one I hold close, but I was also working very closely over the director's sketches, um, Tom McGrath. And, um, but when you see designs, that you actually did make it to the screen. And I don't have that many. Um, I'm usually piggybacking off other people's work or designs or I'm doing incidentals. Um, then then, then you, you get excited for the ones that do make it, so. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, uh, Alex Cub. <laughs> uh, where are we here? Um, oh, this is a really good one. Uh, Nigel Manser, apologize if I pronounced your last name uh, wrong, Nigel. Um, he's a really big Powerpuff Girls fan and uh, he's actually working on a uh, animated short of his own with inspiration from both. I believe it's Powerpuff Girls and um, my life is a teenage robot. So, you know, oh, Craig cool. and Robert, a big influence on him. Uh, yeah. He said, he'd like to know, uh, will you be returning for the new Powerpuff Girls series? If Craig asks me, I would love to. Craig, yeah. what are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know Maybe I'll shoot, him, then I'll shoot him a little message let him know if he needs any help yeah I don't know um I heard the studio that's doing it might be uh overseas um so not here in uh, in Burbank or in the LA area um not that it matters now because everybody's working um over zoom and, and remotely but um yeah I don't know I don't know how that's going to work if he's going to pick his 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 tight crew um you know um I know he's going to be very much involved in that which which is great as he should be I hope he gets his wife Lauren to do some writing because she's a fantastic writer. Yes. She's a fantastic director. Um, but they're also they're both they're like a powerhouse. Those two like they're in, they're insane designers and art directors. They're everything. So um, yeah, uh, we'll we'll see who who he reaches out to. It would be fun just to have like hey Chris Battle Andy. I would love to see all of you guys like if if they just did it for like one episode or maybe just one scene something that would be neat. like. I, I want I want an animated version of the Blues Brothers. We're getting the band back together scene. Yeah. It's just all of you guys, you're raiding the, the costume closet downstairs of Hanna-Barbera, and then you guys are on your way to, yeah. I think it's in Hanna-Barbera Hanna Studios in Europe is uh, where they're doing it. Oh, okay. But yeah. It, cool. It, so you know, all right. I didn't know if I was allowed to say. So yeah, I mean, it, I have no reason to, uh, to say no. So if Craig, you're out there and you want to, you need some help with some designs, I'm more than happy to draw some, some more Professor Utoniums for you. I'm going to email him after this one. And I'm going to say, hey, look at minute, you know, 57 to 58. And he's putting in his resume. Um, so, yeah, that, that that news breaking and then seeing his name attached to it. Because in my opinion, that's the reason the 2016 didn't get off as well as it should. Because you you can't yeah. make something and you leave the heart and soul out of it. It's just going to be a shell of its former self. It was one yeah. of the dumbest things they ever did. And I know most people won't get into it from your standpoint because you guys can get in trouble for this shit. But just as a yeah. fan's perspective, coming out here, if I'm going to do the Powerpuff Girls and Craig is still alive, Craig, hey, come on over here. Let me know what you did. Give me everything that you need to make this again. Make the I'll give you every ask, every, every, everything you need to make sure it goes off. Right. Just ask. Yeah. Me. You know, yeah. so it's just it is wild that they didn't do that. But that's neither here nor there. He's getting his uh he's getting his redo, and I'm so excited for him and I'm so happy. I for know, him. me too. I was stoked to hear that news. That's uh, I just heard that last week, so I'm excited. Yeah, man, it's 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 gonna be a great time. Oh uh, yeah. I, I cut the name off on this one. I apologize because I took a screenshot of this one, but it's off of Twitter. Uh just wanted to say I like the 50s UPA uh Googie. Oh man, I'm Googie art style. You and the team did for the later seasons of Dexter's uh, Powerpuff Girls and second second WandaVision. Did you work on that or was that a different designer? On the second season of Dexter's? 
Uh, I'm assuming, yes, WandaVision. Second WandaVision is what he said. I don't know what second WandaVision is, but um, yeah, the very last episodes I was on, I was on till the very end. I think we were like in season six or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, art director was Paul Stack. Um, But yeah, and Craig was right upstairs. Uh, Gandhi was, Craig was making Foster's home and Gandhi was up on the on second and third floor was Gandhi. He was doing Samurai Jack. Yeah. And uh, so I was on Dexter's for a little bit. And then I jumped up uh, over to, I think, Craig to help Foster's. Um, so yeah, I was on that. That was fun. Yeah, they went real flat. The, the background styles changed quite a bit. And um, those, were, those were good. All right. Yeah. This is- this is the last one, Andy. Uh, Nikki Hutchinson wanted to know, can you talk about working on Dexter's Lab Ego Trip? Did you feel like you were working on a feature film made within a TV budget? And did Gendy, uh, did Gendy enter to be the real end of the series with the same crew behind it? Um, I don't know what that last part meant, uh, but did you guys feel like you were working on a feature film uh, made with a TV budget? Did it feel like that with Ego Trip? Yeah, I mean, it's that's pretty much what it was like um it uh yeah i'm trying to think oh my god i have to like look it up i'm trying to like remember if i because we we were all jumping around i'm pretty sure i worked on that one i'm looking around now the designs on that i don't know i don't see i don't see my name and i'm looking at my mdb like did i work on that i just want to make sure i'm answering correctly so i remember when they made it i was there um hmm. well, i don't see my name I'm like i'm like blanking anyways it was amazing mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it was all the same if you look up i'm um, to answer your question to um your yes the if you look up imdb all those names, those are all the original designers from, from the original Dexter series. Um, and uh, I'm just blanking right now whether I worked on it or not. I thought I did, but um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Gendy was just pushing to, to get his, his, his film version, you know, with the TV budget and just push it and just take it as far as you can with that, with that limitation, so. That's another um, one that had some great news coming out a couple weeks ago too. We're trying to uh, Cartoon Network to do some original program. I'm so stoked for that one, you know. So oh, cool. All right. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's it's like the like I said, the Blues Brothers, man. The band's getting back together. Well, Rand uh, and Andy, this has been a real blast for me. I was really looking forward to getting to chat with you and pick your brain for a little while. I hope you had I hope you had some fun, man, because I'd love to have you back on down the road. I know you're a busy guy, so uh, scheduling this was was interesting if nothing else man so like i said i'm, I'm looking forward to if you want to come back down the road uh, come back on um before Anytime. we go before thank you uh before we go man um if the fans want to reach out and say hey andy i really love your work or they wanted to want to see what you were up to man where can they find you on social media yeah you guys can direct message me on instagram my instagram name is andy bielk andy y-b-i-l-k um that's one way you can reach out to me um you guys can shoot me emails to andy bielk at yahoo.com if you feel like it Mm-hmm. and uh that's it just don't call because i don't pick up <laughs> um you can also leave messages on my squarespace if you look at my website uh, the link is in my bio you can just um you can also always message me that way too and all those links will be in the description of the video so you guys can just point click and go say hey andy i really enjoyed what you did uh well like i said andy man this has been a real blast thank you for joining me man he's been andy I've been this has been the what's in my head podcast and this has been another piece of your childhood good night My guest next week is Cartoon Network Studios' former general manager, Brian Miller. Enjoy the teaser. As I was interviewing with the Cartoon Network people to come over and start the studio, even though Linda was like, yeah, come over and start the studio, I I had to meet. I I didn't really know Mike Lazo at the time. I didn't really know Betty at the time because I was working for Hanna-Barbera, which was Fred. So Fred was really the interface with all those folks. But I knew Linda because she was more of a day-to-day person. But and of course I knew Gendy. But as I was getting ready to go over and start the studio, I had dinner with Gendy. And I remember at that dinner specifically, I said to Gendy, "Look, Gendy, what do you what do you want? Like, what are you what are you gonna what are you looking for in this studio? What would you want? Um, what would you want it to be like?" And he said, "He said, I just want there to be a good vibe." Mm-hmm. And 
I never forgot those words. And, and to me, ultimately that meant a good culture and make sure that, you know, the culture was right for the creative. And that's exactly what they weren't getting on the Warner side, what they had on the Hanna-Barbera side. Because on the Hanna-Barbera side, you know, there was, again, so much history with Hanna-Barbera. Everybody, it was really, it was a great place to work because you really knew you were part of a historical place. You know, the Hanna-Barbera studio was a historical place. And everyone loved working there. There's, you know, I don't think there's anybody that passed through Hanna-Barbera stores that wasn't wasn't sort of in awe of this place they're working at because as you're saying cartoon was sort of your your childhood i can tell you hanna-barbera was my childhood right so that was you know for me that was my childhood so to ultimately come into the studio where those cartoons were made and they were in that studio since the 60s so to come into that studio where those cartoons were made was you know nothing short of like spectacular